Welcome to the Weekly Spiral. You are tuned into episode 61. Casey went 0-5 last week. It is a great <laughs> week for everybody else uh, on the podcast picks, that is. Uh, but today, today we're going to talk about some NFL news. There's a few interesting headlines, as well as winners and losers from last week, and then a few games of the week that we are looking forward to next week and give you sort of a rundown of our predictions on what might shake out in those. But before we dive into it, I have my co-hosts Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan here with me. How are you both doing? Well, you already let the cat out of the bag a little bit here. Uh, yeah, you know, the Packers took a big L. I went 0 for 5 in the picks. Uh, I think I was 5, five of 9, 5 and 9 for the uh, total pickums, And then I only won one fantasy game out of four leagues that I'm in. So, you know, it wasn't the best football week, but I, I appreciate you bringing that to everyone's attention, Cyrus. That's why you're our fantastic host and keeping people apprised of the information they want to hear right off the bat. So, uh, you know, the, the oh, there's a lot of room for growth here in uh, week seven of the NFL. Well, I was the complete opposite of Casey. I dominated the picks. My great take last week of the Steelers being a good team. I look like a genius for saying that. Niners finally won a game. So... Everything's good in Durganville. Nice, nice. That's good to hear. And yeah, Casey. I mean, I, I had to let you know the people want to know. They they're they're closely monitoring how you're doing, and right and uh, I had to I had to give them the unfortunate news. Um, but on the other side of unfortunate news comes some fortunate news for a rookie quarterback. We have Tua officially named the starter of the Miami Dolphins. This is an interesting decision because it's not as if Ryan Fitzpatrick has been playing poorly. He's been he's been balling out. I mean, through six games, fifteen hundred passing yards, twelve touchdowns. And the Dolphins are actually in second place, so in the AFC East. What do we think about this? Is this a good move? Is it too soon? Um, what's the motivation here for, for bringing Tua in? Well, they have a bye week coming up. So I think no matter what, Fitzpatrick could have gone 6-0, and maybe not 6-0, 5-1, let's say, or 4-2, and and they still would have benched him after this bye week. I think they got time for Tua to get healthy because he came out with a very serious hip injury. Also, some time to learn the offense. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah, you mentioned 12 touchdowns, also seven picks. So he's still Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, he, he has moments where he looks good. I mean, two weeks ago against my Niners, he absolutely lit it up. But then at other moments, he looks average. There's a reason why he's been on a zillion teams in his career. He's just not that good. And if you're the Dolphins, you're not trying to win this year. I mean, you don't care if you make the playoffs or not. You just want to get better. And the way you're going to get better is putting your star, you know, franchise quarterback in Tua, who, by the way, might be better than Fitzpatrick. If he's as healthy as he was last year and looked as projects as well as we thought he'd be in college, then he might be better than Fitzpatrick. Well, I strongly disagree that they don't want to win this year. I think you're out of your mind if you don't think the Dolphins want to win because last year they, it would have been very easy to not win and tank. And those players aren't having any of it, and Brian Flores isn't having any of it. So they want to win, and if they can take a hold of the, the AFC East, who a lot of people thought the Bills were going to do, and they're 4-2 and two and stumbling a little bit, and the, the door is wide open, uh, they're going to take it. And um, that's why I sort of disagree with the timing of this. Uh, I know you're, you're maybe trying to get a, ahead of the Fitch tra tragic train coming up, uh, which usually strikes at the worst time in, in a season, and that may be the case. But he, right now he's playing okay. He, he's been relatively steady. He didn't have a fantastic game against the Jets and threw two interceptions after getting out to that, that big lead in the first half. But uh, it seems like a, a, 
a quick change for a team that is competing right now and right in the thick of things in the AFC. And, and like you said, Tua may be as good or better, um, and you got to start him at some point. But I, I thought he would uh, come in a little bit later into the season after things are sort of tied up and they're not in contention anymore. Yeah, I think, you know, when I look at this, it almost to me says they took these first, what was it, six games as sort of Tua's preseason, right? He didn't really get any actual NFL action. There was no preseason this season. So maybe all along this was the plan. We'll play up until the bye week with Fitzpatrick, and then after that we get our rookie quarterback who we know is the future. We drafted him high. We love we love what he's all about. We'll get him some, some action. And I think, you know, whether or not they want to compete is sort of irrelevant right now this team is good but they're not necessarily a playoff contender and if they do make the playoffs it's because there's seven teams now in each conference and if they do i don't see them going very far and i think the organization knows that so what's more valuable right now uh winning in the immediate or developing the quarterback that is ultimately your future and and what you're going to build around for the years to come so I like it. I think it's actually a good move. Um, and if it was up to me and I felt like Tua was ready from a health perspective and a talent perspective, I would have started him off the bat. But I understand the move, just you know, not rushing and forcing it while there is no traditional offseason to, to get him prepped. So I think maybe what they see in, in practices now is that he's ready and this is their guy. And then they see you know Herbert doing well. They see Burrow doing pretty, pretty well too. And they're like, well, we got to get our guy out there and get him some game time. So I, I'm a fan of it, and you know I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's he's fun to watch, but um, I mean he's on the tail end of his career. He's the oldest player on the roster by far. So it's time it's time to to get to us some chemistry with his young wide receivers and his his uh, young core and and build from there. Um, and you can see you see also see him on the sidelines coaching Tua up. For some sure. reason, I watched that entire game on Sunday. Don't ask me why. But after every drive, they showed him on the sideline talking to Tua and like pointing things out. So Fitzpatrick knew this was coming. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. I think it might be planned. Yeah. I mean, I hear you, but this is a team that gave Russell Wilson his worst game of the year so far and, and probably should have beat the Seahawks. Um, so this team is not as far off as, as people might think. And if there are growing pains with Tua, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's the best situation to, to throw him into. Um, so I would have held out for a couple of weeks still and see how how things go i know it's perfect timing with the bye week and all that but uh you know i i would tend to be a little bit more conservative riding with fitzpatrick in this case because his teammates love him um you know he's playing decently and they're in a position where they can win now Hey, to each their own. That's the beauty of sports, right? Having different opinions on the on situations like this. Uh, speaking of different opinions and controversial situations, let's talk about the Cowboys a little bit. They lost in kind of in an embarrassing fashion to the Cardinals, and there's some drama sort of in that locker room around the coaching staff and preparation and just in general everything that's going on. Um, it was good to see before the game that you know Dak is still kind of involved in that locker room, and and uh, I think that's good. Um, but what's what's going on with this team right now? I mean. It's got to, got to be a lot of question marks. They have to be thanking their stars that they're in the NFC East and not a different division. Yeah, I mean, the, there's quotes from the players that are saying that the, the coaching staff is totally unprepared. Uh, they don't teach. They don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly. Another player is saying they just aren't good at their jobs. Like, these are, these are anonymous quotes from the players, but they're still quotes from the players talking to journalists that are covering the, the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, six games into your tenure as the, the head coach there, that's not what you want to be hearing if you're Mike McCarthy. 
And uh, I think a lot of these guys talking are probably defensive guys. Uh, Mike Nolan is clearly, he, he ain't got it. Um, you know, he was bouncing around for a little while, linebackers it. coach. Never had it. <laughs> uh, I did like his suit and tie when he was playing or yep. coaching for coaching the 49ers. Niners. I thought that was pretty spiffy. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe he stayed in that <clears throat> 90s, early 2000s era where uh, he hasn't caught up and adjusted. Um, so if that's the case, you know, Mike McCarthy held on to Dom Capers for about five yard, years too long. Uh, hopefully he learns his lesson and uh, gets rid of Mike Nolan sooner rather than later because you can quickly lose the locker room with a team that talented. Uh, and I think Jerry Jones is loyal as he was to Jason Garrett. I don't think he's going to be as loyal to Mike McCarthy. Well, I think the problem is there's no clear voice on this team. McCarthy's head coach, yes, but you have Kellen Moore, the office coordinator, who you're trying to – do a hybrid scheme of last year and combine it with McCarthy's new scheme and you didn't have the preseason to really get kind of the kinks out. So when you lose Dak, and Dalton is still a very good backup, but things kind of fall apart. And then you have Zeke fumbling all the time and that does not help team morale at all. Throwing that awful defense who has talent. I mean, there are teams with a lot less offensive talent, especially as pass rushers, who are doing better than the Cowboys. So, they could still win this division. I think they actually will because they're the healthiest somehow, some way. But it, it, there's problems. If they don't make the playoffs, I don't see McCarthy coming back for next year. I just don't. Listen, the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over again, expecting different results. That is the Cowboys. Mike McCarthy came in, basically didn't change almost nothing. And you're seeing the exact same sort of situations as last year with this Cowboys team. So... I don't. I hate to be the guy that said I told you so from a, you know way back when, but I told you so. I I never really believed in Mike McCarthy as the answer for this team. Was it an upgrade over over Jason Garrett? Yeah, but also Jason Garrett not being there is an upgrade over Jason Garrett. So it's not really saying much. Um, but that being said, I mean this team is facing a lot of adversity. Anytime you lose your franchise quarterback in a contract year, you know it's it's tough to win games. But that being said, Andy Dalton is a is a Pro Bowler. I mean he's been to the Pro Bowl three times. He's been to the playoffs. Never won a playoff game, but he's been to the playoffs. I mean he's a seasoned quarterback. He's played well throughout his career. So they should be doing better than they did. And they sh- even if they were going to lose, I mean I understand the Cardinals are a good team. They shouldn't have lost the way that they did. Man, four turnovers, split two two from Andy Dalton, two fumbles from Zeke is is really sort of just not okay if i mean you can't win when your star running back who you're, you're game planning around is turning the ball over so um unfortunate loss if you're a cowboys fan but there's definitely some questions that need to be answered and like you said Durgan, i think you know they're, they're probably in a position to win this division but it won't it'll be sort of a bittersweet divisional yeah. win and there's there's a lot of issues that still need uh, resolution on this team um so we'll see what happens there jerry jones i think will learn from his from kind of sitting on on things and and waiting versus now making quick decisive actions so i don't know we'll see that we might see the leash on mike mccarthy get a little short i don't know i'm not sure i I think the offense has been before people started to drop left and right that offensive line is is tough now with both those tackles gone Dak prescott's gone they lost their tight end on the offensive side of the ball they were performing very very well up until this week so uh overall i think mccarthy has done 
better with the offense than they were doing under Kellen Moore and Jason Garrett last year. So I think, you know, as long as the offense doesn't totally fall off a cliff with Andy Dalton here the next few weeks, uh, I think McCarthy's probably going to be safe. It's just he's got to start moving on the the defensive side of the ball and making things uh, change over there because that's, you know, like you said, there's there's too much talent on this team to be not successful. Oh, 100%. But, you know, you can't necessarily take away from the fact that the offense is doing well because the offense is on the field and needs to do well because the defense is giving up a tremendous amount of points. So part of the reason, you know, you saw Dak setting records and stuff and is because they're constantly throwing the ball because they're always behind. So, it, it, I mean, it's yep. a double-edged sword, right? So it's hard to look at the stats and for me to say that the offense is doing well when it's a situation where they're constantly on the field because their defense is letting the other team score and get off the field. Um, but I, I understand. I, I totally get you. And I think Kellen Moore does a good job. It's just at the end of the day, you know, it's the same story as last year. In my opinion, you have the stats, everything looks good statistically and you're losing games and that's a problem and they need to figure out the answer. Yeah, they do. So they we'll do. see what happens with the Cowboys. Um, they'll probably win the division, which is just insane that they're two and four and, and will probably make the playoffs. But let's move on to our winners and losers from last week. And uh, there's some interesting ones here that we want to run through. Durgan, we'll start with you. Let's start on the winning side and, and uh, mm-hmm. give us your winner from last week. No disrespect to Casey's Packers, but my winners this week pile on this week were the Tampa <laughs> Bay Buccaneers who were absolutely dominated in the first quarter, but turned it around really quickly through a strong defensive effort, which I did not see coming. Offense ran the ball well. Ronald Jones had over 100 yards. Still have Fournette and McCoy there in the wings, so they have good depth. And they're not beating you in ways you would think. I mean, those receivers, I mean, at least on Sunday, they didn't do that much. Packers did a good job in that uh, area, but their defense getting pressure, forcing turnovers. You had uh, David White, two middle linebackers playing lights out. Dominicansa, JPP, Shaq Barrett, who I didn't even hear really that much about him on Sunday, and they're still kicking ass. Todd Bowles has reemerged as a head coaching candidate, in my opinion. I know he did terrible with the Jets, but look at Adam Gase, who made him so much worse. And if Adam Gase can get a job, Todd Bowles can get a second chance. This team is a legit Super Bowl contender if they can keep up this defensive high-level play. And Tampa Bay, I think also their offense will come around. Tom Brady, not overly impressed yet, but too many weapons for him not to get things going. Uh, This is the biggest one of the year for them by far. Yeah, I have a few things I want to reference. Uh, Number one, this was the second team uh, ever to score 38 points with while having th- under 300 yards of offense wow. ever. Um, and the other team was in 2016. It was the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and because they were able to do that, they, they really had short fields. Um, so I'm going to read the, the sort of drive summaries for you from the Packers. All right. They go down 10 plays, 54 yards, field goal to start the game. Then they have 11 plays, 80 yards, touchdown. And then after that, it gets pretty ugly. Three plays, pick six, zero yards gained. Three plays, seven yards, interception. Three plays, zero yards, punt. Three plays, minus four yards, punt. Uh, five plays, two yards, end of half. Three plays, five yards, punt. Nine plays, 23 yards, punt. Three plays, four yards, punt. Six plays, 22 yards, punt. 
Three plays, minus seven yards, punt. Whew, somebody get that punter an ice bath. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> So uh, when you're getting negative yards on a lot of your drives or under 30 yards on a lot of your drives, you're not really putting your defense in a place where they can succeed. And uh, it was just a mess from top to bottom for the Packers after that first quarter. And props to that, you know, the Buccaneers defense came to came to play. That pressure package uh, from Todd Bowles was really, really good. The Packers struggled uh, blocking that up the entire game, especially when Bakhtiari went out. Um now, if that, def- if that defense plays plays well and they play mistake-free, which uh, has been their big issue, they came in the most penalized team in the NFL coming into last week, uh, and they had zero penalties against the Packers. Um, so they didn't turn the ball over, they didn't have any penalties, uh, and they generated some, some turnovers on defense, and that's a recipe for success for any team. And when you're as talented as, as the Bucks are on offense, you know, good things are going to happen. So props to the Bucks. Um, but you know, it makes me sad for the Packers. I, I think it was a little bit of a fluke for the Packers. I don't think that that's going to be the, you know, the thing they do all the time. Um, and they'll correct it, but the, the Bucks came to play and they, they punched the Packers in the mouth and the Packers didn't punch back. Yeah. And, and you know, the Packers came one, one quick point. The Packers go off a bye week, right? Yeah, they were. We're not good off of bye weeks, apparently. We we got dogged by the Niners last year off of a bye week, and uh, got dogged by the Bucks this this year after a bye week. So, I don't know. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't think this is something to be concerned about if you're a Packers fan, or uh, you know, in general, just about Aaron Rodgers and the, and the pick six and just things. Things were looking very good, and you know sometimes just they don't come together. And you know another thing I wanted to point out was that the Packers didn't get it, barely any pressure on Tom Brady, whereas the Bucks got five sacks on Aaron Rodgers. So yeah. I think that was a sort of a under noticed factor in in what led the Bucks to be successful. And then the Packers really, I mean, you know, a lot of what they want to do starts with Aaron Jones, and and when you get your star running back averaging 1.5 yards per carry and he's pretty much a non-factor in this game i think with 10 carries and for 15 yards it's it's tough i mean it's tough it you become predictable and the bucks did what they needed to do and um man hearing you say those drives such and such and such punt such and such and such, <laughs> i'm like man that that's unfortunate um you know but i think the packers will bounce back i'm not worried about this one yeah but you know it wasn't good i'd like to burn the tape on that one i don't need to look at it anymore (laughs) that's like every eagles game for me so no worries (laughs) uh let's move on to uh your winner casey well uh, durgan likes to make me sad but i'll make durgan happy and i'll pick the 49ers uh because for me that was kind of a a season saving win for them uh, against the rams i don't think a lot of people were picking the 49ers to win that game they were still beat up a little bit uh, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't look good the, the week prior against Miami, um, but he played well enough uh, this this last week to to beat the Rams. And uh, Debo looked fresh; he was running really strong. Uh, those jet sweeps were really kind of, if you want to make it a microcosm of the game, those jet sweeps were, you know, some of them shouldn't have gone for as many yards as they did. Uh, you think of the first drive when he was on a pile of bodies and he popped up and ran for like 20 extra yards. And then the last one to seal it on third down when it was like third and 10 and they gave him a jet sweep and he got stopped at like the eight, you know, eight yards down the field and needed two or three extra yards. And he like kept fighting and, and rolled forwards and got the first down and that sealed the game. Um, 
And I think that's sort of what the, the Niners have been missing a little bit is being able to rely on their, their run game and use Debo Samuel on those sweeps, run that play action, uh, that fourth down play call to, to Kittle uh, when the, the Rams were in cover zero and he broke a tackle and scored. Um, you know, th- those were the plays of the game for me, and that's sometimes all you need. And, you know, getting getting Emmanuel Mosley back helped a ton. Chris Collinsworth said it like 50 times on the broadcast, but uh, <laughs> having corners Dude. that can uh, help out in that secondary that are healthy and competent uh, really made a world of difference for, for that defense because uh, they held up pretty well. Jason Brett played pretty well. And, uh, you know, we talked about last week how you either need a secondary or a pass rush to be a successful defense, and the elite ones have both. And uh, against Miami, the, the Niners had neither. Well, they had at least one um, against the Rams, and, and that was enough. Really good game by them. Good game planning by Shanahan. They didn't score a ton of points, but they did enough to keep themselves alive and uh, stay in that race for the NFC uh, West. Well, a quote I like is, the hungry dog always gets the bone. The Niners, this is a do-or-die win. If, if they lost this game, their season, in my opinion, was done. I mean, they could have strung together some wins and maybe get in a hunt, but they were they're done. Huge win. Whenever Shanahan had the opportunity to like prove himself, and he puts a chip on his shoulder, granted he put his own chip on his shoulder with such bad play calling the week beforehand, he is just in his bag, as the kids say. Those jet sweeps, like you said, those stretch out vertically, and then you get Kittle over the middle. So that's what their offense last year was really based on, and in this game, much of the same. In the first half, second half, they slowed down, and I am worried about Mozart uh, being out at least three weeks. Uh, he's their second best player on offense right now behind Kittle. So without him, I'm interested to see how they kind of adapt. But huge win. I mean, Jason Verrett was PFF's highest graded defensive player this week. I don't know how long he's going to stay healthy, but they still have Richard Sherman on IR waiting to come back in. So their corner depth right now is saving them, which is kind of shocking to hear. They need to get a pass rush, but hey, you know, three and three could have been a lot worse. For sure. Jason Brett, man, comeback player of the year, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. He's playing pretty well and uh, really is a godsend for you guys in that secondary after all the injuries, but um, also want to give a shout out. Whoever the offensive line coach is did a really good job scheming up against Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald didn't have the impact he thought he would in this game, and um, that was was probably one of the keys to to victory, in my opinion. Um, But yeah, no reason to panic. Must win game. They got it done. Uh, Let's move on to my winner of the week. I am going to go with Derrick Henry and the Titans. This man is exactly that. He is a man among boys out on the NFL field. Busted a 94-yard touchdown run, game-winning touchdown direct snap in overtime. Won me my fantasy matchup. Yep, there we go. <laughs> really, really yep. in, just an insane performance from him as well as the Titans overall. I mean, Tannehill looked good too. 30 for 41, 73.2% completion, 364 yards at four touchdowns. They're playing well. The Titans are full speed ahead, doing doing really good. And the Texans, I mean, they took this game to overtime, but after Tennessee won the toss, their strategy was basically, let's give Henry the ball. And he had 63 yards on that only drive of overtime and, and won them the game. Um, so... It was interesting to see because they put Tannehill out wide and then Henry was was uh, directly receiving the snap. And it was just, uh, I mean, what did you think was going to happen? Like the defense, he just <laughs> ran over some some Houston players, but I feel like they could have uh, done a little better on that one. Um, but, you know, one of three unbeaten teams left in the league right now at 5-0 and with this win. So 
I mean, at the beginning of the season, if you were like five, six games in, there's going to be three unbeaten teams. I probably would not have picked the Titans. So kudos to them. They're, they're playing really well. And I think they uh, secretly might be in the conversation for best team in the AFC. Yeah, and uh, you, you might be able to throw in Ryan Tannehill as a dark horse MVP candidate. He has over 1,000 yards, 13 touchdowns to one interception, and uh, he's had some clutch moments and drives that have saved games. And uh, I, I don't know if you saw the uh, sort of the Twitter thread of Mike Vrabel and how he used uh, yep. a penalty late in the game mm-hmm. to ca- cause the, the play clock to, to stop and save 40 seconds. But uh, he's uh, out Belichicking Belichick. He did it last year, um, and now he is doing it again against the Texans and Romeo Cornell. Um, but the, those uh, decisions and those manipulations of the rules are, you know, are indication that he's a, a tapped-in coach and uh, seems to be a successful guy in, in Tennessee and, like, they, they made a good hire a couple of years ago. So the, the Titans look strong, man. They're a perfect balance of blue-collar and white-collar, in my opinion. Got the big bruiser and the Henry running you over, and that's their identity. They want to punch you in the mouth. But like you said, Vrabel, very smart, very cerebral head coach. That move, I was watching the game, and I, I just didn't think the like, implication of it. I thought it was a mistake. But I saved them, like I said, 40 seconds, and they tied the game with four seconds to go. So that penalty essentially won them the game. which was kind of an yeah. ass-backwards way of thinking about it, but it did. So good for them. Uh, their defense, a little worried about that. Uh, Taylor Lewan also left tackle out for the season, torn ACL. But when you got Derrick Henry and Tannehill playing like he is, you can beat anybody in this league. Yeah. I mean, you got a guy at running back who's the, the size of a linebacker and has the speed of a wide Bigger. receiver. And it's yeah. just like, oh. what? I don't even know how you stop that. Like, I remember we were talking about this previously, and Casey was like, I, I wouldn't want to tackle him. Like, I, no. I mean, it's, the yeah. linebackers in this league are getting smaller and smaller to deal with pass coverage. And uh, this dude is just absolute beast. So... Uh, we'll see what happens. Let's let's switch to the losing side of the ball here. And Durgan, we'll start with you and uh, give us your loser for the week. I'm picking the Rams. I'm not saying this because they lost to the Niners. I'm saying this because how they lost. Drop passes. Golf didn't play well despite not getting that much pressure. And it just seemed like they could have ran the ball a lot more than they did. Niners couldn't stop Henderson on the ground. They're almost begging them to run the ball. And they would do that all the way down and then throw it. Uh, which, I mean, it's kind of Niners, you normally want to run the ball against them. They have great pass defense, uh, even with their lack of um, pass rushers at this point. But it's kind of weird game planning from Boy Wonder, Sean McVay. Defense had a brutal start. They played better in the second half, but no sacks against the offensive line. The Niners are struggling a lot. They're 4-0 against the NFC East, beating each team once. But 0-2 against the rest. I, I'm enjoying seeing Boy Wonder finally more engaged, getting off of his Gatorade cooler. You know who took that job, though? Adam Gase. I saw him doing that. I started laughing out loud. <laughs> but, uh, and it, They have a, an easier schedule next two games. They have two winnable games. But their second half of the schedule, besides those Adam Gase-led Jeffs, Jets, is tough. So uh, they're not done. There's not a death sentence for them. But we'll find out a lot about this team in the coming weeks. I thought they were a lot better than what they showed against the Niners. And they're 4-0, or, or, or yeah, they're 0-4, excuse me, against the Jimmy G-led Niners, uh, which is kind of troubling if you're McVeigh. You can't beat the Niners who are kind of banged up and you sh- should be better than them. And Cooper Cup looked terrible 
I don't know what happened with him. Dropped the pass in the end zone. Had a wide open touchdown over the top for 40 yards and misread the ball in the air. So they got some things to work out still. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely a lot of missed opportunities for the Rams and um, sort of how I think Shanahan learned from his play calling last week against the Dolphins. Uh, I think McVay may learn the same thing mm-hmm. this week and say, like, you know what, I need to stick with my run game. It was working. Let's try. Let's not try to get too fancy because um, usually you, you like to run the ball and then you like to get those shot plays and that, that play action. And that, that's where your chunk plays come from uh, for both the Shanahan and McVay offenses. That's you run that outside zone, outside zone, outside zone, bootleg off of it, and now someone's open down the middle of the field or on a deep post or uh, in the flats, and you can get a big explosive play. But when people are dropping the ball or uh, Goff is misfiring on those, it's it's hard to sustain offense. And you know, props for the Niners for showing up, and uh, they played like they they needed that win more than the Rams did uh, to me. And uh, you know, that was bared out in the result. Yeah, the Rams were basically playing catch up the entire game, and, and it kind of showed. Um, I like what I like what Durgan said earlier: the the hungry dog gets the bone, you know. Mm-hmm. And the Niners were the hungrier dog in this fight, and and they got it, and they needed it. So it was it was definitely uh, it was definitely a wake up call, I think, for a Rams team that was maybe coasting a little bit through some easier games. Yeah, let's move on to your loser, Casey. What do you what do you got? What do you got for us? Well, uh, I've got the Patriots. And they got Cam Newton back, and they played a Broncos team with uh, Drew Locke that was back. And uh, this was a game that was had been postponed. And Drew Locke became the first ever or the youngest ever quarterback to beat Bill Belichick in wow. New England. Um, so props to him. They, they came to play on defense, too. Uh, they didn't score any touchdowns. The Broncos didn't. Uh, just a lot of field goals. But that was enough. And, you know, it's sort of the same old story like we've been saying. They just don't have a ton of firepower on offense to help Cam Newton. So they got Julian Edelman and, and who else? And that's that's the big issue. Uh, was not a good performance. And, uh, you know, it's early take is, is I think maybe Brady was the better piece of those two. Uh, I know it's early and... Uh, the the Patriots have had a lot of opt-outs on defense, but it certainly seems like Brady is doing a little bit better than than Belichick is on that uh, divorce there. Um, so I, they're in third place now. They've got a, they're not used to being in this situation, and uh, you know I think they're going to hang around and be in the thick of things. But uh, they're definitely in danger of missing the playoffs if if they keep ha- putting out clunkers like this. So uh, Patriots need to get it together. Interesting, I noticed how the Titans were the first team to have a COVID outbreak, and they responded and looked even better. Patriots have a little bit of a COVID outbreak, and they responded with looking a lot worse, especially on offense. So I don't think it's a long-term issue with this offense, but you're 2-3 and and lost at home to the Broncos. So you got to figure something out there. I think they need to run the ball better, Uh, like we just said with the Rams. Run the ball, run the ball, open play action, because you don't have elite weapons. Uh, especially at receiver. And offensive line is a little banged up too. So they have a huge game coming this week. We'll talk about that more against the Niners. But, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe we were too early to uh, crown Cam Newton as a second coming. Yeah, this game was, in my opinion, the ugliest game of the week. Just across the board. I mean, you look at the stats. 
both quarterbacks threw two interceptions. Neither broke 200 yards throwing. I mean, Drew Locke, yeah, he's the youngest coach or uh, youngest quarterback to beat Bill Belichick at home, but he did not earn this win. Like the dude <laughs> played pretty badly, and I'm a, I'm a Drew Locke fan. Um, end of the game with the 34 QB rating. So he, he really wasn't the reason they won. It was really uh, just that ugly of a game. And um, I I'm not ready to panic on the Patriots. I think inconsistency is part of this new team, and and it's just not going to be what it what it once was. And um, you know, you could easily see him bounce back next week. It's totally possible. And Cam Newton, he's not the Cam Newton we once knew, but he's still dynamic. I mean, he was their leading rusher. He had like seven yards per carry, so he was effective on the ground. He didn't do it through the air, and I don't know that I 100% blame him. I, I don't think they have anybody helping him out there. I mean, um, when we look at this wide receiver core, it's leading receiver was James White, running back. So there's there's some improvements to be made. Um but I just think inconsistency is part of the makeup of this team now. Yep, it may be, and that's probably driving uh, Bill Belichick insane. He just wants to know what to expect and have his ducks in a row and and, uh, be prepared and and ready. And the fluctuations, I'm sure he'll try to iron out as best as he can. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's it's his worst nightmare for sure. Um, Let's move on to my loser, the last of the week. I got to pick the Jets, man. The only team left without a win. Um, you know, I, it's time to end this Adam Gase experiment in New York. I mean, I don't know how many chances this guy is going to get, but the Jets put up an absolutely embarrassing performance against the Miami Dolphins. And I know the Miami Dolphins are playing well, but, like, this is not good. I mean, this this team has not shut out – this Miami Dolphins team has not shut out anyone in six seasons. And the Jets are the first, of course, to be that team. Um, they were two of 17 on third down tries in this game. They had 263 total yards of offense for context. Derrick Henry had 264 yards alone by himself. Um, I know that's on the other spectrum of things and that team played phenomenally, but come on, like at some point you have to blame the coaching. I mean, the jets have lost their six games this season by an average of 18 points. That's a lot. Like they're not even, they're not even showing flashes of anything at all ever. Um, and, you know, I was watching the CBS broadcast and something they mentioned, 31 out of Gase's 40 losses as a head coach in his career, not just with the Jets, but in general overall in his career, have been by double digits. So he's losing and he's losing big and he's just not really, I think, the man for the job. So unless their goal is really to keep Adam Gase to tank and then fire him in the offseason and bring somebody in with Trevor Lawrence or something and trade Sam Darnold, totally possible. But it's time to end this experiment. I think you can lose without Adam Gase. You know, your team needs some life, and unfortunately, I think it might be at the expense of Adam Gase. To show how bad the Jets are, they have yet to cover a spread, and it hasn't been close to even covering, which is tough to do. That's that's pretty tough to do uh, through six weeks. I mean, yeah, this team's dead. I mean, you have Joe Flacco as your quarterback, Frank Gore, God bless him, love him to death. Should not be your lead running back, and the offense runs through him, which is pretty crazy to imagine and after the game they traded uh steve mcclendon their defensive tackle who was a really respected guy in the locker room i guess some of the players were upset about that so they don't care i mean they they, they need to keep they need to go 0 16 honestly they need to keep adam gaze the whole year and ensure that they get trevor lawrence because they can't win a few games get the fifth pick and screw themselves over they have to go 0 16 secure the number one overall pick yeah, I, I there's not a whole lot left to be said about the Jets. Uh, I mean, I think there's no point in firing Gase at this point. 
because I think they're also probably done with Sam Darnold. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they put him on IR or just try to trade him away at the deadline. Uh, I saw some speculation that maybe they could trade Sam Darnold to the Cowboys and mm-hmm. uh, the Cowboys could let Prescott walk and then you sort of get a reboot there with a young quarterback um, and and reboot things over there. But, um, you know, the Justice don't have the personnel to compete right now and uh, the last thing you want is for them to somehow surprise some team and get a couple wins out and then you miss out on Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. So I think tanking is exactly what they're doing, and that's why Adam Gase is still there, because if they had some hope of being moderately competitive and to save face, they would have fired him already. Um, That's that's really all there is to say about the Jets. They're bad. They're very bad. And with that, let's dive into our Week 7 games of the week. Uh, Brighten the mood up a little bit after talking about the... One of the probably the worst team in the past, I don't, I, I don't in recent memory. Um, but let's talk about the first game of the week. We got the Steelers at the Titans. I think this will be an exciting one, Casey. What do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm loving my boy Tannehill. I was on his train last last year. Uh, he was one of the five AFC teams that I loved, along with the Bills and the the Raiders. <laughs> but uh, I think the Titans sort of have a formula that's working, sort of like Durgan said earlier. Uh, they run the ball, and then when Tannehill throws it, he's throwing really accurately and, and doing a really good job. There's Since that COVID little bye week they had, that forced bye week, they've had two straight weeks of scoring 42 points. Uh, first against the Bills, who have a solid defense, and then the Texans, who have a less solid defense. But 42 points is 42 points. Derrick Henry's starting to get things going. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a, a really fun matchup, I think, with the Steelers defense, who is... Uh, probably the best in the league uh in my book at this point um better than the colts i think they've sort of established themselves as being the best uh minka fitzpatrick made a splash play got a pick six last week uh they're gonna mention devin bush is is out um so that's that's a big hit to that core um so that's sort of a big factor in my pick i'm picking the titans 27 to 24 uh, this is going to be a slugfest and could very well determine the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a great game, I think. I got 35-31 Steelers uh, as a toss-up, but I'm, I'm the captain of the Steelers bandwagon, so i got to stick with them. I am concerned about Taylor Lewan being out because the guy replacing him is Isaiah Wilson. First-round pick this year, but all of that he's accomplished so far is getting Corona twice and a DUI in the first month of uh, training camp. Tough to do. Very, very tough to do. <laughs> is, is he ready to take on a responsibility of playing tackle against guys like T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, and that defensive line for the Steelers? I don't know. I don't think uh, Derrick Henry needs a lot of room to run, but he needs some sort of blocking. Uh, also, I think that Devin Bush, how they respond, that's going to hurt their uh, run defense possibly. So it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I think the Steelers have way too many offensive weapons, and I think their offense is better than the Texans who just tore apart the uh, Titans on Sunday. Chase Claypool, legit receiver, future number one. And then Juju is there too, who kind of got under the radar, but he can still play. So they got a few guys out there. Uh, going to be a great game. Make sure to watch this game, game of the week by far. Yeah, this is, is going to be one of the best games of the week. Regarding the blocking, though, I mean, if, if the Titans versus the Bills is any indication and you look at Josh Norman on the ground, 
you could say Derrick Henry could probably block for himself. Yeah, he's so, his best blocker. Yeah, he's his, he's his be- he's like a fullback and a running back in one. So I don't I don't know. Um, but I, I got to go with the Titans on this one, man. They're just playing at a level that I think, you know, it's 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 going to be a close game. But I think the Titans are I don't, dare I say unstoppable, even with a Steelers defense that is the best in the league. This is going to be a very close one, though, and this is the battle of the unbeaten. One of these teams will come out with a loss. So. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm, you know, I said it. I said it earlier. Secretly, maybe under the radar, Titans might be the best team in the AFC all around. Just well, just from a well-rounded perspective. Taylor Lewan's a big loss, um, but I don't know. You know, with the play action and and the run-heavy um, scheme, I don't know how much of a loss it is going to be. We'll see. And you know, if it's going to be a loss against any team, it's going to be the Steelers with with their defense. So um, excited for this one. Titans 35, Steelers 28 is my prediction. Um, this is a game that I will definitely watch for sure. Let's move on to our second game. We got the 49ers at the Patriots. Casey, take us. Yeah, this, this one away. was hard, uh, hard for me to pick. And, uh, the Patriots were my loser this week and the Niners played well. Um, but if there's one coach, I think these are probably the two better, two of the better coaches in the NFL. Uh, but I do trust Belichick a little bit more to uh, self-analyze and adjust and take away what weapons the 49ers do have functioning on offense and uh, making making the 49ers play left-handed, essentially. Um, there, there were really two guys that made an impact on, on that game that are still uh, active and uh, functional players, and that's Debo and Kittle. Uh, with Mostert out, I think the run game is going to struggle with McKinnon. So, so really, if if Belichick can take away Kittle, and uh, even saw a press clipping already that Belichick was like, yeah, Kittle's like one of the best players nonstop in the league, and uh, certainly probably the best player that we've seen so far this year. And if Belichick is hyping you up, uh, that means you're going to have a tough game ahead of you yep. come Sunday. So I would expect that he's going to uh, do everything he can to take away Kittle. He did it to Darren Waller, um, so you may see a little bit of the same uh, format there. Uh, and can the, the 49ers win with McKinnon and Debo Samuel and an injured Jimmy G? That's the big question. Um, and I'm going to go with... The answer being no. I think it's going to be very close. I'm going to take the Patriots 21 to 17. Uh, if Jimmy was fully healthy, I think I would probably take them. Uh, and uh, you know, I think it'll it'll it's it's going to be a close game. Uh, I'm also very much looking forward to this one because I think it's going to be a you know a lot of scheming from Shanahan and trying to find you know explosive plays to manufacture some points, maybe a couple trick plays on both sides. Uh, I know the Patriots tried a couple last week. Uh, I think you're going to see some some cool plays out of this game to try to try to get some points on the board because I think both these defenses are playing well. As a Niners fan, I really wish the Patriots pulled out that win against the Broncos because now you got two hungry teams going for that bone and it's going to be a dogfight. But I'm going with Patriots 28-24, new school versus old school coaching. But Belichick and Shanahan have a great relationship. Bill broke down film with Kyle of that 28-3 comeback and showed Kyle, hey, this is what you should have done. Hey, this is what I would have done. So they have massive respect for one another, but they know each other very well. And the fact you don't have Mozart, who is, like I said, your second best offensive player right now, and McKinnon, great comeback. I'm glad he's playing, but he has no explosiveness. So we're going to rely on a guy named Jamichael Hasty, who looked good in the fourth quarter this past Sunday, but can you 
that was shredded at Bill Belichick defense. I don't know. It's going to be tough. Not only to get better pass rush. Uh, they need to make this a low-scoring game, in my opinion. However, the last time the Patriots lost three straight games, 2002. Tom Brady's second year as a starter. I was six years old. Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, <laughs> the first Spider-Man movie, dominated the box office. Nickelback had the number one song that year. There's no way the Patriots lose this game. I'm sorry. There's just It's impossible. It's not happening. You are the worst Niners fan ever. <laughs> I don't know how you're picking against them, man. I, I'm going to pick the Niners, which is surprising that neither of you did and I did. But I'm going to say, you know, I like what I saw from them last week. Great bounce back win. Uh, Jimmy G, you know, maybe he's not 100%, but he's playing well. And you compare that and contrast that to what the Patriots did against an anemic Broncos team. Man, that was a horrible, 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 horrible performance just overall. And I think the Niners are too good to let this slide. And the Patriots are sliding the opposite direction. So I'm, I'm thinking the Niners are trending up. You know, Jimmy G doesn't have to be three touchdowns, 250 yards good, but um, in order to win this game. So I, I'm going to say that the Niners take this 24, Pats 21. I do think it'll be close. I think Bill Belichick is probably one of the greatest coaches of all time, and he'll keep it close. But... Expect a big Debo Samuel game. Expect maybe a big Brandon Ayuk game. Yep. One of those two, I think, has a bust-out 100-yard, maybe some rushing yards in there as well, um, performance. And uh, like Casey said, Kittle is going to be – he's going to have that Darren Waller effect where basically Bill Belichick is going to do everything in his power to shut him down. Um, so somebody else is going to have to step up. Mostert's not there. Big, bigger loss than people will anticipate. But I think Brandon Ayuk secretly might have the – sort of a breakout game here so that's my prediction but i still like the niners in this one pats are not what they used to be and no matter how good of a coach bill belichick is there's a certain ceiling with the talent that he has on that team so i'm gonna say niners win this one let's move on to the next game we got another bay area team facing the bucks former bay area team another former bay area team (laughs) there you go good catch durgan Good catch for sure. Uh, yeah, the Raiders and the Bucks. Uh, I really wanted to take the Raiders, and I, I almost did. And if the Bucks had beat the Packers by a little bit less, I probably would have. But if the Buccaneers' defense plays as it did against Green Bay and uh, brings that kind of pressure and uh, keeps that running game in check, the Raiders are going to have a tough time. Um, because if you stop Josh Jacobs and you make Derek Carr win you the game and drop back and, and pick you apart, uh, that's not what the Raiders want to do. He's certainly capable when he's on and playing playing good football. Uh, he can hit any throw that he wants to, but um, he can get rattled at times too. So if, if that offensive line struggles and Tampa gets after him in the, in the blitz game and, and gets some pressure on him, uh, I, I think the, the Bucks will uh, run away with it. Um, but at the same time, I don't think what the Bucks did is sustainable. They're not going to get you know a pick six and a pick on the the one yard line. They're not going to have zero penalties again, um, especially when they don't have a history of showing the capability of doing that from game to game. Uh, and the Raiders have have looked really strong. They just beat the Chiefs. They're coming off of a bye week. Um, you know, I think the Devin White and Darren Waller matchup is going to be interesting to watch and seeing how how they try to attack that. Um, I think it's going to be a good game overall. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty balanced, but I am going to lean and take the Bucks 33 to 24. Uh, the Bucks seem to be turning a corner. 
Uh, but Raiders are playing really tough as well, like you said. I'm not a Raiders guy, so if I'm saying they're playing well, they're playing well. Gruden's going to want this game a little bit more because he's a coach uh, for the Bucks, but I don't trust that Raiders secondary. Too many weapons for Tampa Bay, and I think this newfound run game really makes things balanced for their offense, makes it a little more unpredictable. And I think come fourth quarter, they'll wear down that Raiders defense. So I'm going Bucks 35-28 in a very close game. Yeah, this is this was a tough one. I kind of wavered back and forth picking this just because, I mean, the Raiders are coming off of a bye, but we'll see how they can keep that momentum from their... They just beat the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs are one of the best teams in the league. So if, you know, I, it depends how they come out from their bye, I think. They could come out a little slow, maybe have a little hangover from that big win, and then before you know it, the Bucks are have jump out to a big lead or they can keep it competitive but i'm gonna say just you know when i look at this game from a roster to roster perspective i gotta pick the bucks i just think they're more talented and they're they're getting healthier that you know they got their their big name players back some of them so i think i'm gonna take the bucks 33 raiders 27 this is the f- i think is this the fourth game we've gone over so far this is the fourth game and they've all been exciting so mm-hmm. big week big week and this is another one that i think is a must watch in my opinion Let's move on to the next one here. We got maybe less so of a must-watch. We'll we'll, uh, gear things down towards our toilet bowl, but this is not the toilet bowl. This is the Bears at the Rams. I think this is going to be a good game. Like, if if it was on, I would watch it. I would happily watch it. Well, you'd watch Uh, any game. You just love football. Well, sure, but it's not going to be an exciting game, but it's going to be a barn burner, okay? Ah, okay. There we go. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking the Bears, though, which probably means the Rams are going to win because I still haven't picked a Bears game correctly this, this year. <laughs> um, the Bears are 5-1, and one, and they're at the top of the NFC North, and I just threw up a little bit in my mouth saying that. But uh, they don't have an exciting formula, but they have a winning one. They have good enough offense and a really, really good defense. Uh, they're doing some good stuff in the RPO game, and their their defense is just absolutely suffocating. Uh, they played a Panthers team that was on a roll, had won three games straight, and uh, you know they they came away with a win. Uh, like I said, they're not exciting to watch, but they're they're getting the job done. And at a certain point, you gotta just respect them. Uh, they have like over a seventy percent chance to get into the playoffs at this point. Um, they're right at the top of the NFC North. And after watching what the 49ers did to the Rams' offense, uh, the Bears' defense is even better. So they got to be excited uh, about those matchups. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm becoming a little bit disenchanted with the Rams. I was very high on them early. Uh, I, I just don't know that they have enough juice right now or enough momentum to, to win this game. So I'm going to go with the Bears and uh, we'll prepare to be sad about that pick later because it's almost definitely going to be wrong. <laughs> nice. Great use of disenchanted, by the way. I love it. Uh, there thanks. <laughs> Durkin, what do you uh, think? I mean, I spent the last, or not last, but five minutes on this show talking about how bad the Rams uh, looked. But I have to win this game 27-24. to 24. The Bears, I, I, nobody's buying into them because that offense is just so blah. I mean, they get the job done. But they never excite you at all. And the Rams' defense didn't look all that great. So I think they'll be really aggressive, uh, get pressure on Nick Foles, trust their corners to shut down those receivers. And when it comes down to golf and the offense, I think they run the ball a lot more, uh, try to milk that clock. Because this Bears' defense 
one of, if not the best defense in the league. Be close game, but 27-24, L.A. Rams, who are also the home team. So the Bears have won or lost every single game this season by one by one score. I think at some point, this is not going to be the winning formula. I mean, if you go in and look at the stats from each of those games, and you just look at the Bears stats, and you don't look at the other team, you would not guess that they won the game had you not known the score. Just Just looking at their stats. I mean... Look, Nick Foles, love the guy, Super Bowl winning quarterback, great. But he's playing average. Let's not pretend otherwise. Yes, they're sneaking, squeaking out wins. They're they're doing what they need to do to get some wins. But this is a tough schedule coming up. You face the Rams, who are going to be hungry coming off a lackluster uh, loss to the Niners. You face New Orleans. You got Tennessee. Um, you know, Green Bay after the bye. There's some tough teams coming up. I, I think the Bears regress to the mean overall. They're coming out. They're starting hot. But I don't think this is a long-term success formula for this team. I love Matt Nagy. I think um, he's one of the best coaches in this league. But the quarterback play is going to be the question mark, I think. And I'm going to take – I'm going to trust Jared Goff more often than I'm going to trust Nick Foles. Um, as much as it pains me to say, love the guy, like I said. <laughs> I'm going to trust Jared Goff a little more. I do think this will be relatively close, but I'm going to take the Rams 24 to 21 over the Bears. All right. That takes us to our final game of the week, the possibly least exciting or most exciting, depending (laughs) on how you want to look at it. Uh, We got the toilet bowl, and uh, it is the Giants at the Eagles. Yeah. Um, sorry we had to do it to you, but uh, it did appear to be the uh, the closest game. There was also a bad game, or between two teams that are not playing very well. Uh, ultimately, for me, one team has a lot more upside than the other, and that's the Eagles. And the Eagles have been competitive against what I would say are superior opponents the last two weeks with the Steelers and with the Ravens. Uh, they they really had an opportunity to beat both of those teams. It took a little bit while a little while for the offenses to to get going uh, in both those games, but ultimately they they did climb their way back into those games and and make them competitive. And they had a, a chance to force overtime against the Ravens um, before that uh, poor two point play they they called. Um, the the Steelers, you know, are are a really good team as they have shown when they they played the the Browns. Um, so the Eagles are capable. They just need to get over this this little hump. They're playing better. Uh, I'm hearing a lot less cries about Carson Wentz being terrible, and people I think are starting to realize you know there's a lot of other issues on that team, like the offensive line missing four of their starters, and uh, one of their guards is fixing their glove in the middle of the play, <laughs> and uh, on down the line. With all that being said. Still taking the Eagles twenty-eight to seventeen because I just don't think the Giants have uh, the answers for the Eagles' defense. I think the Eagles' defense is going to play really well, and uh, really nobody is stepping up in Saquon's absence. Uh, and uh, though the name receivers on the Giants are are big names, Golden Tate and Darius Shepard and those guys, none of them are really stepping up to the plate. So uh, I'm rolling Slayton, with the Eagles. Sterling Shepard, we got you. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> inverted those. Thank you. Well, conventional wisdom says to pick the Giants because Sanders is out, Ertz is out. I don't know what Carson Wentz is going to do, but I'm picking the Eagles 27-20. I can't trust Daniel Jones. 
Giants should have at least gotten overtime last week, if not lose the game against Washington. Got lucky that Washington is just as incompetent as they are. Uh, this game sucks, but go the home team. Uh, Carson Wentz, better quarterback, best player on the field. Going to roll with them. All right. First off, I'm deeply offended that this is the toilet bowl, but I also understand completely. Um, I think this is the first time we've picked any of our teams in the toilet bowl. Yeah, I believe. So So it sucks that it's the Eagles. But (laughs) listen, you look at this Eagles offense, there is not a starter in sight outside of Jason Kelsey and Carson Wentz. Literally nowhere else will there be a starter or even maybe your you know second string that plays quite a bit, a la um, tight end position with Zach Ertz um, and uh, what's his name, Dallas Goddard. So I'm concerned. I'm deeply terrified for this game. Uh, conventional logic says the Giants beat the Reds. The, excuse me, the Washington Football Team, and the Washington Football Team beat the Eagles, so they could easily beat uh, the Eagles, right? But I don't know, man. I think I favor this matchup towards the Eagles strictly for the defense. I don't think that the uh, Giants offense is going to get anything going. And on the flip side, I don't think the Eagles offense really get anything going. So we'll see what happens. This truly might be the the toilet bowl, like of all toilet bowls. Um, I don't know, man. Like just watching the game last week, that offensive line, I think might be the Eagles offensive line I'm referring to, might be the worst offensive line I've like ever seen. Just ever in the history of football. I'm not even kidding. I don't know. They they brought a guy off that I've never even heard of off the street, Jamon Brown, and Durgan sent me this tweet. Literally the, the sacked his own quarterback. He sacked Carson Wentz. He, like, dove into Carson Wentz. And then he stops on a play. He's fixing his gloves while the pass rush is coming at him. Like, what are you doing, dude? The best part of the video is he fixes his glove and then gets back in his stance. Like, nobody's going to notice that he spent two seconds trying to put his glove on. I love that yeah. guy. My new favorite player. So absolute funny. insanity absolute insanity um this yeah this is going to be a rough one you know the rest of the season is going to be rough for the eagles which we knew but luckily they're in the nfc East, so if they win this game things look completely different and, and it ultimately depends on what dallas does as well but you know i i don't know i'm terrified because i think it, an eagles loss in this game just means sort of complete That's and it. utter collapse and this season's done but at the same time, that might not necessarily be a bad thing. Look towards next season. It's already been sort of a disaster. Um, so we'll see what happens. Do any of you have any final thoughts before we wrap things up here on episode 61? No. Nope. No. All good. All good. All righty. Well, that was a very sad and depressing end to what otherwise <laughs> has been a very fun and enjoyable episode. Uh, thank you for sticking with us for episode 61. I really, 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 really appreciate your support and um and uh, we're looking forward to future episodes with you guys. Before we sign off, do you guys have anything you want to plug as far as content coming up that the listeners should look out for? Casey? Yes, I have a breakdown on the Saints' use use of two passing game concepts called Dagger, and then the other one is called Y-Cross. And Sean Payton actually found a way to combine both those concepts into one play, and it's uh, created some some good yards and chunk plays for them uh, in that offense. So if you're interested in learning some some new passing game concepts and, and how the Saints are using them, go check that out at youtube.com slash weekly spiral. Awesome. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Durgan, what about you, man? Yes, with the Big Ten starting college football this weekend, I did a little stock report, stock up. For the most part, no stock downs for one guy. Uh, on college football season so far, and who's helped their... It's just their draft position in the early football season. 
Sweet. Looking forward to that as well. This has been a weekly Spiral production, bringing you fresh football every week. Please check us out on our website, weeklyspiral.com. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. You can find us there if you search our name. And uh, we hope whatever else you get up to the rest of the day is awesome. And we will catch you next week for episode 62.